Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey well hello everybody and welcome back welcome back to money conversations with kj i'm your host kj today i have a um a, a guest that we've been talking about doing this for a little while and i finally got him in the studio mr doug liebig doug welcome to the show good afternoon um i think today we're going to get a lot of good value doug's an entrepreneur he's done a lot of great things in his life and and we've had many money conversations and um I think there are going to be some good takeaways for some of you guys out there that are either entrepreneurs now or strike. Maybe you want to be an entrepreneur. Doug, I think, is going to have some good money lessons as we go through this conversation. So let's start off, Doug, with um, I always like to start off with all my guests. When, when, how old do you think you were thinking way back when, when you learned what money was for, that we were trading it to get stuff? I, I would have to say um, that my realization of what money, how, what money was worth actually right. was probably when I started having kids. Ah. <laughs> so how did, so all right, well, let's talk about before the kids then. So how did you treat money before that? I treated money like it was never going to go away. I, I'd, I'd spend it. I'd maybe save it. Sometimes I'd go out and buy and I knew you could get a loan and, um, you know, if I needed a vehicle, I'd go get a loan and right. So on and well, so forth. Well, let's and, share with the audience how, um, how old were you when mom and dad sat you down and taught you any kind of money lessons? Never. Never. Nope. And again, my audience, the regular listeners out there, you guys know this because you've heard them all before. This is very normal. Yeah. It's 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 a lot more normal than people realize. And and I always say, listen, let's not blame mom and dad. Listen, because mom and dad can't teach what mom and dad don't know. Right. Right. And oftentimes talking about money has been in, in, in our generation was a little taboo. Right. Yeah. Um, and so how old were you when you think you started to learn your first money lessons and what were your first money lessons? Well, um, I would say I was in the Marine Corps for uh, from the time I was 17 years old to the time I was 24. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I wanted to go to school and I really had no idea how to do it. So in the, in the meantime, uh, what I was doing is I was driving trucks and I was making money uh, driving trucks, but realized that that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, a few gnarly little runs and, and I was, I was done with that. And, um, so I basically went in and, uh, talked to the, talked to the boss, um, the trucking company. And I said, uh, listen, I said, uh, I really appreciate, you know, working for you, but I want to go back to school. And the one thing he said to me, which actually still impresses me to this day was he goes, you're going to look back four years from now. And you're going to say, God, I could have gone back to school and not saying that school is uh, the end all means for making money, but it's something I wanted to do. 
So then I had to figure out how to do it, how to fund it and, and all that other good stuff. So that's what I did. I went to school for uh, civil engineering. And uh, while I was in school, I was uh, making a truck payment, making insurance payment, paying my food, paying my rent. Um, and there was never any month left at the end of the money. And I was okay with that because I was getting something out of it, but I was able to make my bills. And then uh, as time goes on, uh, I, I, after I got out of school, I got a job with a consulting company. And again, there was never any month left at the end of the money, you know? Yeah. You know, it's a very typical story out there that we hear kids deciding to go to school first not going to school then like you know maybe i better go to school right and then they go back and they'll go get whatever type of degree and get out there and and oftentimes still not do what they go to school for right but you did learn a lot of good stuff in school and i think going to school probably taught teaches um some good self-discipline right that's that's the main thing that it did teach me is I kind of have an analytical mind and i'm able to uh think and discern and so i think that's maybe what what college does for you okay. and gives you the capability of, of using some reasoning, maybe some common sense. Uh, you know, so that's really what, um, what led to where I'm at today is because I keep going back on what I learned, it, you know, kind of the, if this, then that, uh, kind of theories and principles that I learned, uh, say designing, um, a pumping system, for example, when I got out of school, I, right. I, uh, I had to figure out how to design caustic and acid pumping systems for a brewery. And so, and so, uh, and in school, they, they teach you, you know, how to do your calculations. It's all pretty much, uh, um, very little theory and a lot of application. So my background is actually application. So when it comes to money, the application and, and, to be honest with you, I didn't really understand how money works until just a few years ago. I, I didn't really understand that we live in a debt society, but looking back on it, that's what I worked within without even thinking about it. Right. And again, back to where, you know, if mom and dad aren't teaching us any money lessons and then we're left up to our, it's, you know, left all on our shoulders of going out there and learning this money game. Right. And and if you're telling me you just learned it, let's say in the last less than 10 years, right? Because you're up here, how, if you don't mind sharing your age with the folks, uh, 57, 57, right? So you're talking mid forties until you kind of figured it out, right? Yeah. Otherwise you're living like most Americans or people around the world, which is you're trading time for money yep. or value for money. People will make money. Right. And not understanding that, like I teach people you, once you learn to have money, make money, that's when you start to really stack money. Yeah. And I know you and I have talked about that because you play in the stock market now. Yeah. Right. And so imagine if you were to learn that lesson in your early 20s. Oh, boy. Well, right? I, I, th I think about it because some of the stuff that I'm doing now, if I would have applied what I'm, I've learned now, just just on the stock market and how money works. Um, I probably I probably would have been retired by now. Right. Right. And so that's why it's so important. I love having this this podcast that we do and talking to people about money because in your life, early in your career, in your life, can you remember, did you ever have like a mentor sit you down? And sometimes there's life mentors, money mentors, you know, coaches, if you played sports, that kind of thing. Did you have any mentors? Um, 
Not really. I had a guy that told me uh, how I screwed everything up. But, uh, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, knowing that can help you, right? And, and that's exactly what it did um, in 2000, 2008, 2009. North Las Vegas went broke right. and I had a job with six guys on that project. And my my uh, payroll was $100,000 a month. Mm. And I was trying to figure out where to get that money from. So this guy comes along uh, through through referrals, you know, and, and I uh, started sitting down talking with him. First thing he did was he looked through my uh, looked through my shop. I had probably close to half a million dollars worth of equipment in the shop. And we had a lot of contracts with uh, ready mix suppliers and we had some jobs going on. And that was all kind of before the big crash, before the 2008, 2009. And I know he knew something, but he didn't tell me anything. Hmm. You know what I mean? He didn't right. he didn't sit down and say, uh, you need to downsize you. Uh, you know, there's a crash coming and, uh, I, I, you know, whatever. And so uh, he looks through there and he goes, what'd you get such a big place for? And I said, well, because we've, uh, you know, that was the cheapest place that I could find at the time, you know. And, right. And it still could house all the uh, the equipment that I had. And he goes, well, uh, that was stupid. <laughs> okay. Um, ended up being that, you know, we, we did actually do pretty well. I did about 4.8 million a year uh, with that company. Um, obviously there's a lot of overhead with it and a lot right. of payroll and all that other stuff. But uh, uh, the big thing was, is I had to shut down because North Las Vegas ran out of money and I couldn't figure out how to pay my guys. I'd either have to pay uh, my guys and not pay the IRS or pay the IRS and lose my guys, lose my job, and then get a lawsuit from the city of North Las Vegas. Right. So right. I, it was like juggling eggs with that one. And what ended up happening was, is I ended up uh, paying my guys, stayed on, sold the business. The IRS came after me. And, um, and then I went back down to absolutely zero. The only thing I was able to keep out of that whole thing, I had four homes and plus my single family residential that I, that I owned my primary. And, uh, the only thing I was able to keep out of that whole thing was, uh, my, uh, 2005 Dodge pickup. And they made me pay $10,000 for that too. Wow. So I get, I always say, you know, with every failure, as long as we learn and I'm like, listen, I'm same thing. Oh, wait, crashed. I was in the built a nice beetle, $3 million spec home, lost it. And I just go, well, let's look back. What can we learn on our mistakes? And in that particular situation, these things weren't not of our fault, right? These are circumstances that were created by other people we know now. We were all, I look at it as we were all victims, right? Uh, Because we were doing, we're doing the right things. But even then you can look back and 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 tell yourself, well, if I'd have done this or if I'd have done that, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad or something to that effect, right? Because I like to share with people, People fail and they get really down on themselves. And I'm like, don't do that. Oh, that's a learning experience. A hundred percent. Let's just learn whatever that failure may have been. As long as you've learned something, it's not a true failure. It's only a true failure if you didn't look back and learn something. Right. If you just gave up and like, I don't know, I failed. I don't even know why. And like, go find out. Learn the lesson. Yeah, then exactly. It, then it was an expensive lesson, but at least yeah. it's a lesson. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you were talking a minute ago, if you knew what you know now back in your 20s, you know, you'd be a totally different person 
person financially. Yeah. So, but would that change? This thing is, is would that change you going forward, learning the lessons that you needed to learn going forward? So, you know, we're on this journey of life, absolutely. and we're always learning. You and I've talked about that. Where you know, I think the older we get, the more we want to learn, right? And yeah. when you're when you're real young, you're like, yeah, I don't want. I'm tired of school. I need to go just make money or whatever. Yeah. But where do you think your um, money habits came? Did your money habits come from mom and dad? The way you treat money? No. No. Uh, in fact, my mom told me, she says, uh, she, my mom encouraged me to get a credit card. And she says, and she told me, she said, when you need to use it, use it, you know, mm-hmm. don't overuse it, but use it when you need to use it. And it'll, it's kind of a lifeline for you, you know, whatever. Right. And, uh, yeah, God bless her. She was doing what she knew to do. My dad, um, was taking ter- care of two families at that time. And so they were always on the short end of money as well. And, um, no money lessons at all from them. No. I mean, mom said, get a credit card and just said, use it responsibly, basically, which yeah. I was sharing with you, which is, I mean, that's a good lesson in itself. You know, we, I talk about that. I mean, credit card debt is the third highest debt in the country. Um, because people just don't use them responsibly. Right. I hear that term out there. Credit cards are bad. You've heard that before. And I say, listen, credit cards aren't bad. There's just a piece of plastic, right? Yeah. So how can a credit card be bad? It's how you use it's them you use and the people who use them irresponsibly where the credit card may get a bad rap. But um, I really think credit cards are great in today's world because there's so much fraud out there. Absolutely. And anytime we can use OPM, other people's money, which is what a credit card is, you're safer from somebody attacking and, and taking your money, whether it's you're a big guy, no one's taking physically money from you. But if they, you know. If your debit card got hacked and they wiped out your account, you're kind of screwed. Your bank's going to be like, hey, we can't help you. Hey, that happened. And that happened when I had my business, my engineering company. Yeah. So uh, $100,000 went missing. Yeah. And so when we use credit cards, that's not our money. If that gets stolen, it's on them and they're insured for that stuff. Yeah. So I always, I, I recommend it, you know, but there's people out there like a Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman who don't recommend credit cards. And I go, look, just... Use them responsibly and you're going to be fine. If you get a pickle, it's on your, you know, it's on you. You did that. Um, So you, you uh, went and got that engineering school, opened that company, did pretty well. Time in history, oh wait, um, where a lot of people, you know, took a bath on there and then recouped. How, when you got back into the swing of things, what was your perspective on money at that point? Like, okay, this is like my second chance to do it again. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. And and what did you think when you're like, did you have like major shifts in your money mindset? Yep. Like, what were they? Well, you know, what I what I mentioned earlier, the guy said I was stupid for doing what I did. Right. So I always went as feasible and economic as I could. And everything that I did, I looked at it not for not for the show, not for what we could have, but what we could afford. And, and so I just went with everything. I could be living in a, you know, a 2000 square foot house and have $10 million and I'd still be living in a 2000, 2000 square foot house. There'd be no reason for me to go anywhere else. And so, um, really, um, the, the, the turning point was, uh, or the way I treated money after that was that, um, there's an old saying, easy come, easy go. Right. And, uh, and I kept, I, th- I think the big thing was, is I have good work ethic and I was taught that my dad taught me that, um, from the time I was, 
a time I could ride a bicycle and deliver papers, uh, he told me to go get a job, you know, and uh, I had to save up my first route and I bought a bike. And then from then on, I was like 13 years old. I, I've always worked. And uh, and now what I'm trying to do is w- realize w- the value of money and what money has. And that has changed a lot in our society here in the very near recent past, you know? Right, right. And, uh, and so what I, what I look at now is I look at, uh, my big thing is, is I buy silver. Um, and I started buying silver in 2008. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, even if you can only afford one ounce of silver, go down and buy it. He says, that's one ounce that, uh, is going to be worth $20, whether they're the dollars worth, uh, a dollar or it's worth a penny. Right. He said the silver stability. So I started doing, doing that in 2008 and I just, you know, whenever I had a little extra, I'd, I'd buy silver. And well, you mentioned how you, you learned your work ethic from dad. And I think, and I was just watching a video the other day about our generation, right? We're boomers and boomers. Most boomers have really good work ethic. Right. And I saw this video the other day of a millennial who felt really entitled she felt that her mom at 16 years old should buy her a Mercedes G wagon. <laughs> it's a $200,000 vehicle. Yeah. And mom's like, well, I'll buy you a C class. And this girl was like, I think she was on Dr. Phil, like going crazy. Like, <laughs> no way. I can't drive a C class. You got to get me. I deserve the G, right? The G wagon. And Dr. Phil's going nuts. He's like, are you kidding me? I mean, That's and I look crazy. at that and I'm like, whose fault is this? Mm-hmm. This is the parent. Yeah. This is the mom. This is who you raised—a very entitled, spoiled young child. Yeah, you know what I mean. But this is what's a lot of the society out there. And today, I think millennials who grew up more on the internet and technology than you and I did, and and social media, and they're seen and they're wanting to mimic and the Kardashians and all these other people who just spend ridiculous amounts of money and they feel entitled about it. Right? I think I think that could be a problem. And then. I also look back at some of these, when you look at social media and you see these, there's so much money being made online by these young kids. Right. When I say young kids are in their twenties, right? Sure. Making like 50, hundred grand a month. Yeah. Like a lot of money, but they it's don't have crazy. any money lessons. And I just fear that they're going to be like the athletes who developed amazing skills. Yeah. Who reached the pro level of whatever sport, pick a sport, doesn't matter who make a ridiculous amount of money. And then they're broke when they're done. Yeah. Exactly. Because no one taught them about money. Yeah. But these kids, to me, it's a parallel story, right? Yeah. These kids who mom and dad spoil and give them these things, they don't they don't have what you described. And you described it like it was just so nonchalant. Well, my dad taught me good work ethic. And we just, and just kept on with your words, your conversation. I'm like, wait a minute, we got to get back on that. Because I think there's the problem in America. We're not teaching our kids a, a really good work ethic. Yeah. Like money is not fall off into your lap. We got to go, you know, do things for you gotta it. Got to work for it. We got to work for it. Yeah. And, but now I like to teach, yeah, you, you, you've got to work for money, but now it's next level for, it's not just, okay, I made money. Let me go buy what I want. Now, once you, if you can learn the mindset of make money, make money, it, that's when you're going to start to have money. Yeah. That's, and, and that's when you, you, you reap the benefits of your, of your work with money 
making money for itself. And I'm, I'm kind of in that phase right now, you know, even at 57 years old, um, I've been in that phase now for about probably like four or five years and I've been learning how to make the money work for itself. And, uh, now I know, um, your son came to one of my workshops a couple of years ago. Okay. And so if you're confessing about, you know, you learned it only like 10 years ago. Right. So once you started learning it, were you sharing these oh, learning yeah. lessons with your kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, they all wanted to go to college. And I'm like, fine, do whatever you want to do. You go and you go in the college. OK, so first of all, I said, if you go to work, you're on your own and you're going to make your own payments and live your own life. And then we're done. And then uh, two, um, if you uh, you go in the military, well, you're taken care of, you know, and you can make a life for yourself there. Three, if you want to go to college, you're going to have to pay for it. And um, I'll let you live here. How's that sound? <laughs> and uh, they all kind of looked at me with like, you know. Like you were being hard. Yeah. And but the thing I've learned is, is that unless you and having kids, you know, too, it, it kind of teaches you. And some people can see it or maybe not see it. But when you give kids something, they expect it. And then just like you're talking about the G-Wagon. Right. Um we never gave our kids anything. They always had to work for it somehow or another. I mean, we were earn it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like going out and chopping up a cord of wood, you know, or something like that. But it, there, there was things that they had to do to, to, to earn it you know, and they had to work for it. And they've all actually paid for their own college. And uh, my daughter's got one year left. My son, my oldest son's got two years left. He's going to SUU. And my middle son, Alex, is, came to your workshop. He... Uh, very smart guy with his money. I got to say that. And, uh, and the other two are doing good too. Um, he was always very, very tight with his money and he's doing very well. Uh, he's going to get his master's. Um, they're sending him, they're paying for his college. They're sending him to get his master's. He's working for, he's, uh, um, uh, working for Hill Air Force Base on a, a fighter program. Mm. And, uh, he's a computer science guy. And, um, and so, um, so if we think about it, I mean, your kids, I'm, I'm just picturing how they obviously saw dad work real hard the last 20, whatever years. Right. Yep. And I think our kids want to emulate and do what we do. And if we're hardworking people, they're likely to be hardworking people right. unless we spoil the crap out of them. I mean, you didn't do that with your kids. I didn't do that with mine. I just taught them how to go make money. Right. Yep. And, and build that good work ethic. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's only the beginning of the game though. Right. We can go learn whatever you want to learn and you're going to college. College is all about getting a job. Yeah. And the job, all you're doing is trading time for money, money. Right. You may be trading more value of your time because you've learned something and you make more than the average person on the street. But even then that's just the beginning of the game. Yep. Now it's like, what well, what do I do with this money? And the mindset shift that I have all these conversations with people is it's not about how much can I make and what can I go buy now? Yeah. That's the wrong mindset, right? Right. That's why the lesson in my, my, my uh, program, the first chapter is mindset. We really have to learn how to think and act different with our time and money in order to grow money to when you reach our age, right. like money's not an issue. We've right. got the money and we get to live life on our terms, whether it's a retirement, if you want to retire, because I don't want to retire. I don't either. Right. I mean, yeah. but, but to be able to have the options of what you want to do with your time is a very good feeling. Absolutely. 
It's a really yeah, good feeling, it, right? Uh, we, my wife and I were just talking about that uh, a couple of days ago. It's like, you know, it's going to be nice is we can just take a couple of weeks and don't have to worry about where the money's coming from to make the bills for that two weeks that we're off. Cause we, you know, we have a business and we right. have to, and it's just me. And so, um, you know, we'll have everything set up to where we can go do what we want to do, come back and then start up again, you know, start up the whatever the, I the think calls. when we can actually control our time, that's when you really enjoy life. You know, I just, my wife and I just got back yesterday, a couple of days ago, like, I played around a golf really early yeah, in the morning and I came home. It was like, I was done by nine 30. And I yeah. told her, I says, you know what? It's bloody hot out here. I go, let's just jump in the car. Let's go to San Diego for a couple of days by the beach, hang out, cool down for a couple of days. And then we'll come back for the weekend. Yeah. She's like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Right. I, I knew I didn't have anything pressing, but to be able to have that option, I didn't have to ask anybody. I don't have to worry. Do I have enough money to go down there for exactly. a few days or whatever? Those are really good feelings of living life on terms like that. Right. Exactly. I'm not yeah. sitting on millions of dollars or anything, but you know, it's not a lot of money to go spend a few days down at the beach. No. Um, but having the mindset understanding while I was gone, my money was working for me. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, more or less financial freedom. And like you said, you don't have to have millions of dollars in the bank to have financial freedom. You just have enough to where you can do what you want to do. Well, and I mean, then also make making that money work for you so you don't have to worry about it. Well, everybody, can you remember at what age were you when when you start actually thinking about retirement? What, how, old, how old do you think you were when, when because you typically 20 whatever is they're like retirement, I'm 23 or four, I'm worrying about retirement right now, which is the wrong mindset. But how old do you think you were when you thought, man, I got to start thinking about doing something with my money for some sort of retirement? Well, with me, it was a little different because I got out of the Marine Corps and my dad had a stroke. He, right after he retired, he had a stroke and I saw, uh, what he went through in retirement and later on in life, I learned that you don't necessarily, if you retire, retire. It's like, I've always told my quit kids, when you quit, you fail, we fail, you die. And so that's my whole thing. And I, I, from, from about 24 on, I just, I realized I wasn't going to retire. You weren't striving for retirement. No, like a I, lot of folks do. They strive for like, I'm going to go do my 20 or 30 years with XYZ company, no. whatever it is. And then I want, I'm done. I don't want to work anymore. No, because that's, that's not what life is. For, for me, that's not what life is about. Because I've got an uncle that's 94 years old and he's still doing charcoal drawings. And uh, he's still writing poetry and he's up in the woods, working in the woods every day. My grandfather was the same way. He was 92. I've got an 88 year old uncle. Same thing. I think if we keep ourselves busy mentally. Yes, exactly. Physically enough to keep your body right. You can't lay around because you'll definitely die if you don't keep yourself in motion. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why I don't like the word retirement. Um, I, and I try to teach people don't strive to retire, strive to reach financial independence and then financial freedom after that. Um, you'll live a much more fruitful life on your terms. Because retirement, it, it seems like it's the end. Yes. And you that's know? exactly what it is. And if you have that mindset, then you're coming to the end. And retirement has always been based on. It's not written anywhere, but it's kind of known because the government gives you um, uh, your Social Security a certain age. Yeah. And people tie those two things together. Yeah. And they think 
that retirement's an age. And that's why a 20 whatever year old will like retirement. I'm I'm not even going to think about that. That's not till I'm 65. I'm like, well, well, one, you got it wrong because retirement is not an age. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. If retirement was an age, people like Mark Zuckerberg, when he created Facebook and made hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in his 20s, you know, right? he could have said, hey, I got all the money. I'm retiring. But And then you could look at Warren Buffett, yeah, too. Him, know? too, right? Yeah. But those guys are like, they love, they they follow their passions. They love what they do. They're like, I'm retiring. I want to play. I want to keep playing the game. Yeah. And that's why I call it the game, right? You're play, exactly. We're all playing a game. Exactly. And the only difference is you either know the rules to the game or you don't know the rules. Yep. And like, and I teach like any game that we, it's like any game we learn checkers, monopoly, whatever. If you didn't know the rules of that game, you couldn't win the game because no. you don't know the rules. Right. Exactly. And so that's why financial literacy is so important. That's teaching you the rules of the game. Yes. Because you're playing the game, whether you realize it or not. Like when you were going through your twenties and thirties and you didn't really start to think about money until your forties, like you were playing the game. Oh yeah. Without really, if you start making, when you're making money, you're playing the game. Yeah. You're in the game, you're playing. And, and really you have to understand, you have to understand it. Um, well, the big thing, uh, for me was, well, and, and, you know, uh, when we were, we were kids, we, we went through the, uh, stagflation thing with, uh, Carter and, you know, there was red days and green days at the pump, you know, right. odd and even all that stuff. And there was no money. And then later on in life, you find out, well, there really was money and there really was oil. They were just cutting us off. Yes. And so once you realize that, you know, kind of what you're going, we're going through right now. And I think, um, once you get rid of the fear of money and, and, and being afraid of what it can or can't do and realizing what it is, then I think your, your, your life is regardless of what the government has to say, your life is going to be okay. God, that's such a great lesson. God, I hope you guys say that again. You got to tell these folks that again. That <laughs> is a total mindset. It is. It's a 100% mindset how we're going to react with money. And people, I mean, I read a statistic. It's like 56% of people, uh, money makes them have high anxiety. They get very anxious about it, right? It, yeah. it freaks people out, especially when you don't have it, right? Right. And so if you don't think about money that way and you think about it in the terms you just put, it shouldn't, you shouldn't have anxiety about it. No. You know what I mean? I haven't had anxiety about it since probably after, um, you know, I lost all the houses and everything and I, and I figured, well, here we go. And, um, uh, I just kept doing, I, I, I put that work ethic into place and I, uh, I, I, I worked as many as seven days a week, six days a week to get back on top of things. And we, we eventually got back up on top and I had extra money to, and that's to, what it takes though. Things. Right. Like you knew, right. When you went back to square one, like, all right, I'm going to have to double down, work a lot harder to, to catch back up. Yeah. That hence the work ethic. Right. And I think in today's world that what people will tend to give up. But let me ask you this, because one of the lessons that I teach is goal setting, right? So having goals, because having goals is like a roadmap to where we're going. Right. And just like if you or I wanted to jump in the car and drive to, you know, Dallas, Texas or whatever, we'd either plug it in our GPS and follow the blue line on the GPS yeah. or we pull out a map. But that's like how a goal is, right? We got to set up how those things. So did you find yourself interesting in your case, because, um, Started going to square one, having to build back up. Did you have like clear written goals sit down, uh, written down that you wanted to achieve? Um, 
not necessarily. I didn't have um, clear, concise goals, but I knew the overall plan and I knew where I needed to get to. And I'd have conversations of where we were at and where we were going with my wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, and then she'd throw things out there. Well, maybe we should be doing this. And so then you, you sit there and think about it. It's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's try that. Well, and, I mean, I talk about that because writing and I teach all these, the students this man, write your goals down because now your goals can change and there's nothing wrong with that. You just basically describe that, right? You're going yeah. along your journey that the second time around knowing where you wanted to be and figuring out how to get there along the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but Harvard studies have shown that by having clear written goals, we're going to get there a lot faster and smoother. Yeah. Yeah. And can we, can we, you know, um, I don't know how the word I want to use. Can we just kind of zig when we need to zag kind of thing, right? The where, okay, my goal was this and I laid it out over the next 12 months and you made a couple of adjustments because of circumstances. Absolutely. That's fine. Yeah. But writing them down is what I try to get people to understand. Um, it's like driving a car blindfolded. God knows we wouldn't do that. And every time we get in our vehicles, every single time we get in our vehicles, there's a destination. We know where we're going. Yeah. Exactly. Nobody gets in the car and just drives around the circles or whatever. Right. right. No. Like you got in your car, you knew you were coming here. Right. To do the podcast. Right? right. Like, so if we treat our lives that way, if we know where we're going in yep. every step we do, especially with our money, we're going to, we're likely to get there. Yep. Then if we That's don't, true. you know, write these things down. Um, but Let's 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 switch gears a little bit for the folks because you're an entrepreneur, yes. right? Uh, Doug owns his own company, and, and um, Doug's a home inspector. He, and you know, you guys all know I'm in real estate. I call Doug all the time. Come inspect one of my homes, yep. right? That I'm getting ready to buy or I just bought, whatever. Yep. Um, and you've learned now the lesson of having employees oh, yeah. and what it takes. And I think we've you and I've talked about this. I I'm in real estate. I have no employees and, and I've had them in the past and I never want an employee again. Yeah. You know, I rather make, uh, make my money, make money. That's my employee, my money. Yeah. Right. There you go. What's your mindset around that? Um, pretty much the same. I, uh, I've had people, I have people call me all the time, um, that I've done inspections for and they say, Oh, my son or my cousin or so-and-so wants to be a home inspector. Can they tell you? And I said, most of the time I say no. And in fact, every time I've said no, but I've had, um, I've had a couple guys working for me that I did one, the last one, uh, I did trust him and he worked for me in the engineering uh, side of things too. And, uh, just a great guy. Um, but having 18 guys on the payroll, um, there's always, you're kind of a fireman yes. unless you hire more employees to take care of the fires. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're always putting out fires. Yeah. And so I guess the thing that I've, I've learned is that, um, okay. So for me, entrepreneurship, uh, came when, uh, during, okay. So we bought our first house in I think 96 and, um, and then I got a call from the the guy who uh, sold it to me and he says, Hey, I can get you 225,000 this weekend. And it was like four years later. And I'm like, what? I paid 98,000 for it. You know, right. And like, what? No way. And at the time I was working for a consulting company, I think it was working down on the uh, monorail. And, uh, 
like 225,000. Oh, that's a lot of money, you know? And then, and so then, uh, then we turned around and we bought this dump of a house. And I mean, I, the house was nice. The one that we lived in, he sold it to us when we, I mean, we moved into it and then we go and buy this dump. And then I had, we had a lot of work to do to it. And so I got that. I turned that around and I, I turned that around for another, you know, I think I turned around for 200. We bought it for 125 and turned around for 200. And, and so at that point, um, I, I, I kind of, I, I wasn't an entrepreneur yet. I wasn't, I hadn't started a company. I hadn't done anything. I was still working for a, a contractor uh, on the monorail. And, and I thought, you know what? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try starting a business. I want to, I want to start a business. And, um, and the, the, I was, when I was out at, uh, Lake Mead, I was working on the, uh, ozone treatment facility out at Lake Mead and the guy, this old guy says, uh, you need to get your home inspection license. I'm like, you know, well, oh, okay, whatever. Right. <laughs> and I really disregarded it for a while. And then once I sold that second home, uh, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I know construction. And so jumping off into a business or entrepreneurship, you can know everything that you think you know about the business until you get to the other side of it. I, I, okay. So you, you know, everything about a home, you can go in and do an inspection on a home and, and uh, know all the phases of construction, but the business side of it, that's a whole different ball game. And that was a learning curve for me, but that opened up doors and I never went back from about 2001, I guess it's about 2001 on. I, I really haven't worked for anybody. I think that, and that you put it perfectly because I've taught that lesson too about people who want to, you know, be an entrepreneur and be their own boss. And if you go down the route, whether you have employees or not, yeah, you could, you could know the business that you want to be in if you're a plumber, a landscaper, whatever you want to be, and you're great at that. But if you don't know business, man, you're going to get yourself in a pickle really quick. Yes, right? you will. There's a thing out there called 941 taxes, which is most of the time why small businesses fail yeah. because they, they, they don't pay them. Yeah. Because they figure, well, I'll catch up. I need the money to pay payroll or I got to buy another piece of equipment or whatever the case may be that they do with the money. And so I share with people that if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you want to own whatever kind of business, first understand you're not an employee. It's 24-7-365. Until yeah. you're ready for your mind to wrap, wrap around that, then don't even start a business because you'll fail. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And it You're takes years it to get, it takes <laughs> years of building a business where you can unplug yourself and let the business be on its own. And that's, that's definitely the direction you want to go if, if you become that type of business owner. But yeah, you couldn't be so, so right, right spot on about learning business. Not the trade that your business is about, right. but business itself. Your banking is really important. Your taxes, marketing. You're like, yeah, I'm a plumber. I don't know anything about marketing, right? No, marketing is business. It's huge. It's, I, I and had it costs money and it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had so many guys that were actually really good. Uh, they were actually really good tradesmen. Uh, most of them carpenters, some electricians. And I had my uh, home inspection license when I was uh, doing the... Uh, doing some of the, the third party work that I was doing. And I, I talked to him every once in a while and like, yeah, I need to get my home inspection license. And I said, well, I said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I better, but it's, it's, 
you know, you have to know how to talk to people. You know how you have to know how to get the business. You have to know how to maintain the business with the jurisdictions that you're working in and, and um, licensing and everything license, that goes with it. Everything. Yeah. Well, reflecting now at 57, what would you tell your 21 year old self? Probably the same thing that I'm telling my my uh, your 21 year old, 21 and 24 year old. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would say. You know, be smart with your money. I've, I've actually told them how the money works. And now that I know, learn how the money works, learn that we're in a debt society. Most people that are making millions of dollars are millions of dollars in debt um, because they own. They leverage. Uh, they leverage and they leverage their and then they use that leverage to gain tax credits on the, uh, real estate properties. Um, and, uh, and so if, if nothing else, just learn how money works and learn how, uh, money will work for itself and work for you. And, and basically there's all sorts of information. We're living in the day and age of, uh, of, of social, um, social media, um, the internet, and back when we were doing it, I mean, the web wasn't even out really no. uh, in 20 or 2000. And, um, and so it was more, you had to talk to people and if people were willing to give you information or reading books, um, you know. Well, so let, let's talk about, I mean, what, what type of things did you do to educate yourself when you were, I mean, because you had to learn as you go, right? Yeah. And so you were self, self-taught. Yeah. Meaning you were reading books. Yes. Give me the top three books that the people out there listening who are thinking about either they're early entrepreneurs in the game or want to be. What would you recommend? What's a couple of good books? Um, well, I, I know it's a uh, I, I did read the rich dad, poor dad. Great and, book. And I know it's been, uh, you know, used over and over again. There's really no bad theories in there. And actually, they're very good theories. And um, there's uh, um, Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich is a great book. Yeah. That's a mindset book. For, it you is. Know, when I read it, that's more of a mind. But again, I think until you get your mindset correct with money. You're going to struggle. Yes. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care if you got a whatever job you're making six figures, whatever. Yeah. Until your mindset is right with money, you're never really going to have it. And you were talking about the, you know, the debt society we live in. And I teach that there's two kinds of debt, right? There's good debt and bad debt. And you yeah. describe good debt, leverage debt that makes money. Right. When these a lot of these people and, and, and not that I bag on Dave Ramsey, I think he's fantastic. But Dave Ramsey, his teachings are for W2 earner type people. Right. Yeah. These are people with jobs. Dave Ramsey's most of his teachings don't really work in the entrepreneur or in the entrepreneurial world. Right. Because entrepreneurs must leverage. Yeah, we must. We yeah. must leverage time, money and people yeah. um, to grow your businesses. So it's OK once you recognize and understand the difference between good debt and bad debt. And it's real simple. Leverage debt that makes you money is good debt. You're fine. Right. Right. Buying a house is good debt. 
Right. Right. Buying a house today, because I mean, a car today, because they're 50 to a hundred thousand dollars, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to, I don't, I don't recommend to pay cash for a hundred thousand dollar car. No. Right. Because make your payments. You can make that money. You can make money, make enough money to make those payments. Yeah. If you, if you had the hundred K. Yes. Instead of Correct. going down there and just writing a check, don't do that. Um, if you had multi-million dollars, yes. Pay cash for your hundred thousand dollar car because sure. you can afford it. Yeah. Um, same thing with your house. Same thing, right? And bad debt is consumer debt, things that don't make you money. This is where people get in trouble. This is why credit card debt is so high. They get these credit cards, which is not your money. You just got access to it because you did well and they gave you some credit, right? Yeah. And now they're out buying dinners and shoes and shopping and crap that don't make you money that you can't pay off at the end of the month. Right. Exactly. Bad debt, guys. You do not want to get in that debt. The other thing that I would tell myself that saving money is not good. No. And the reason why is because in the inflation, the Fed is uh, is required to keep on employment low or employment yeah, unemployment low, and then um, also uh, keep the inflation down to two percent. Right now we're way oh, beyond that. We're we're forty year high, and unemployment is high too. So when you're saving money, um. Your inflation is going at. It's eating it up. Yeah, it's eating it up, and it doesn't uh, make up for that uh, money that you're losing. I want to. I want to step one step further than that. Like, I want to make sure that people understand. Like, when we're telling you don't save money, that doesn't mean when you cash your check, make sure you spend it all. I say save money for a purpose. Most people yeah. save money just to save money. That's, That's true. The old school, right? That's true. I mean, just stick in the bank. I don't know why yet, but something's going to come up. I mean, no, 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 don't do that. Yeah. We're saving money for a purpose, whether it's like I want to buy my uh, house or my car is probably good for another two or three years. All right. Save money for that. Yeah. Right. Kids college or uh, I want to invest in X, Y, Z. So yeah. We have to not co- learn how not to commingle our money. I think this is where a lot of people get in trouble. Yeah. Right. Because let's say you only have one savings account type of thing, but you're saving for four or five different things that you're saving for and it all goes in the same bucket. You're likely not to get, but one or two of those things. Right. Now, if you go ahead and open four, if you have five, let's say you have five things you're striving to, to purchase or that you're saving for. And they're dim. I call them buckets and you're putting that in there every paycheck, right? Right. $10 to this one, 20 to that one, five to this one until you get whatever it is that you're saving for. That's okay. Because most people just work for certain dollars every week or every other week when they get paid. And use what right? they need it for. Save for a purpose, track it, follow it right. is a good idea. Saving, not knowing what you're saving for, bad idea. Right. And I guess my, my point was, is instead of having a savings account, f- find something. Well, my thing was silver. Right. And, and so when I had my savings account, I had uh, uh, silver uh, as my savings account. Okay. And now I built up enough in that savings account to where it's, you know, it'll be lucrative at some point. But right. it's got plenty in there to where if the dollar... Does go so away. that's investing, right? So we're all going to invest. And we're going to park money in so many different vehicles that we can park our money in. Right. And so you chose that vehicle to park money as your savings, which right. is great. Now, I also teach out there to get yourself uh, financially secure, which means, guys, whatever your monthly bills are, multiply times six. That needs to be in an account that you can access tomorrow if need be. Yep. Right. When COVID hit and all these people got sent home. Yep. Most of them freaked out and panicked because they were living what paycheck to paycheck, yeah, right. Over fifty percent of the people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. Yep, they freaked out. 
Yeah. They're like, holy crap. I mean, I can't go to work and I can't make a paycheck. How am I going to feed my family? Now, the people who handled their money correctly were financially secure, which means six months of your monthly you know, bills put away. No. You didn't panic. No. You're like, okay, all right, we got six months. We don't know how long this is going to last. We got to start thinking of a plan B. Meanwhile, I'm paying my mortgage slash rent. Yeah. I can put food on the table, make my car payment. I'm all right. Yeah. I'm not freaking out. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, there's, it's not like the whole world, there was no jobs, you know? Right. And, and so you just find something else to do. And like I told, uh, I told my wife, I said, yeah, well, they quit selling houses. I'll find enough, maybe try and sell cars. And if I don't, and if I don't, if I don't do that, then I'll go find something else to do, you know? Right. And so there's always something to do for me. There's money. always something. I think uh, we look back now for those two years, this, uh, the internet exploded with businesses. Oh yeah. People were at home online going, I've got to do something online. Oh, yeah. And it's great because everybody has some, in my opinion, everybody has some sort of value that you could give to the world, right? Yeah. If you needed to, if we got shut down again, and let's say you're like, well, let me put a program together about inspecting homes, yeah. right? And you could sell that program for whatever, two, three, five hundred bucks a whack. Right. That's making money. Sure. So you take the value that you have where people just went home and figured, I'm not clocking in and out. I can't make money. Like, yeah, you can. Well, it's like a guy told me one time, too. You know, he says, uh, whether you're making lollipops or popsicles, you know, he says, you, if you can make a million dollars doing it. <laughs> make them make them exactly yeah that's and that's the entrepreneurship you know that's the that's this that's the spirit of entrepreneurship take what you got and um and try to make money with it well well i think today was awesome a little more entrepreneur talk than usual but because you're sitting here with a couple entrepreneurs and and we're doing fantastic and uh living life on our terms but i think the big takeaway today for a lot of you guys out there listening is same story. Mom and dad didn't teach Doug, right? Doug had to no. go figure it out. And Doug didn't figure it out really, truly until he was in his mid 40s, guys. So it's never too late. I always like to teach people it's not too late to learn the money game. No. It doesn't matter if you're 25, 45, 55. Let's learn these money lessons. So, Doug, thanks for coming out, man. I think you're welcome. Really gave some solid value out there. So, awesome. hey, guys, when you're out there listening, if you're on YouTube, do me a favor, uh, subscribe to my channel, hit that like button. And for you folks out there on the podcast world, just go ahead and keep following me on the podcast. They're coming out on a regular basis. Typically, every Wednesday morning, I'll put a new one out. So this one will probably be out next Wednesday. Until then, we'll see you guys on the next podcast. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things that did wrong with it. And uh, how, how did they really come about getting their mindset with money? So uh, every episode is different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor, hit the like button, smash the like button and subscribe to my channel because every episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care and uh, we'll talk to you next week.